Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to, of course, the show. And uh, you already heard the intro and all that, I'm trying to get better about that. So coming back to you live from the stuff you've already heard, say the things you've already no doubt heard recorded. <laughs> I'm just going to get to it. Um, I'm today, of course, accompanied by DJ. Hello folks, Spirit Fingers. And, and Mike. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Now, unprecedented, we're going to talk about a book, The Garal. This is the werebears of uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse, as it were. And we're going to talk about them because the Care Bears need loving, too. And that's just how it goes. But before we get into it, Mike asked a question, an important one. He said, you know, I didn't really dive into the gifts like I wanted to. I didn't see really what all the hype was, what they were about. Like, I don't... I don't really see on that. I mean, like, I, he got through the book and was looking for the fluff because he knew he was a beyond with me. And he knew that we <laughs> like to talk the story to get what it's about. So he just focused a little harder in one way than the other. I don't want Mike to be left out. So <laughs> and right now, unprecedented, we're going to talk about a few things. Now, Mike, I'm not going to bore you with level ones and twos unless you would like to be bored with level ones and twos. No, no, no. Give me the good stuff. Give me what I'm working for, not what I start with. So... Just we'll pull one out of the thin air. How about Shape Matter? Now, this is their, their, their second-ed stab at it. It's basically reshape object the gift. Basically, it says the Garal uh, are able to use the power of Gaia and change one thing to another thing, kind of like a Philosopher's Stone sort of effect. You get it? Sure, sure. Lead in the gold, uh, mercury in the silver. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that works for me. Okay, sure. okay. Does it work for you? I mean, there's potential, right? I can do shenanigans with that. Uh, that's, that's, that's one that I want. I can aspire to. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what it's used for is to shape tools, right? That's that's what I'm helping you out. It is it is that effect. It's a utility one I picked up because I know you, you don't. You want to know about the big pain. Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. Right? <laughs> in, in this, you would be the guru, and I, am, of course, being the guru, where I'm like, but don't you see... How teaching you charismatic presence, a level five Garal gift, making a compelling aura of attraction to humans to help sway them to not harm the earth means so much. I mean, to which, as the younger brother, uh, the guru, I would respond, that is for after I called them to a respectable number, and I need to remind them not to do that shit no more. You're not going to need the confidence as a girl to come out and kind of share the pain of the apocalypse with you. It seems you're still very much the same guru when I left. But maybe, maybe if I tell you about the spirit shield. Shields. Uh, okay. Okay. See the stall that I got there, DJ? <laughs> uh. <laughs> I don't want to tell you about the spirit shield. It's level four. Maybe we're going to keep that for us. We're going to hold that for us. That's that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep that in there. Now, without diving through all this, Mike, just giving that, when you go through here and look, and this is anybody who does this, uh, this Changing Breed is like one of the first books, I'd say, 
that you see where the gifts actually do other things, not just it's 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 not just about damage and so. Those are definitely here, but they try to broaden the usage of how they would use this to the themes of what is presented in this book. And that's why this book is a winner for me. Uh, there's a lot about the Garal that I do enjoy. Uh, one of them is the definite construction of this book, the material in this book. Uh, the writers who made it did a wonderful job in making it feel that you were learning what it is to be a Garal, period. About their society, their culture, every bit of it, you were learning every step from this book. And so to that, I'm going to tell you it's a journey. That's what I'm going to tell you, Mike. And uh, so when you get to the gifts, by the time you get done reading the, you read the fluff, enjoy yourself, take your time to read what's good. You're going to sit there and see plain as day why it is that they have the gifts they do. But you're also going to see, you know, the werewolves really could use that gift. And you're, and I'm going to tell you right now, no shit. <laughs> I bet what I had it too had something not occurred. Right? Right. That's how right. it is. But what we're going to talk about off the bat, of course, is the wonderful comic book they have up here. And uh, DJ, if you can, because I make one of you the victim every time, what's the synopsis of the the comic book here? (laughs) The synopsis of the comic book is, as every comic book or intro story you've read so far, it's always about telling a tale. And uh, the basic tale is about this this person who brings back something they should have in a very Call of Cthulhu reanimator type of way, going, I shouldn't have brought you back. And they're being chased by this crazy-ass monster bear. And um, as he starts getting chased around, he's like, I should have never done this. I'm not even sure what to do. And lo and behold, um, another werebear wakes up who's been sleeping for what may or may not have been the century and goes like, you done did wrong. Let me help you out here. That person you were trying to raise back from the dead, your friend who once was Amos is no more. You spent too much time and you've played with things that you were clearly not mature enough to play with. But don't worry, I will be here. Um, A fight ensues versus this thing that is now considered of the worm, which we'll talk about later, in which the um, the sleeping bear that had woken up sacrifices her life to save the life of the younger one and leaves him with a message. Now that you know that this is the case, our sacrifice hopefully doesn't go to waste. You stay here now, remember what it is that you're supposed to do, and take this lesson with you and move forward with it. My favorite part about the comic, I mean, it's a great synopsis, DJ, by the way, um, but my favorite part of the comic, the highlight for me, was when the guy in the Chicago Bears t-shirt gets all his limbs blasted off his body in one blow by a bear swipe as the bear is the death bear eats the other. Well, I shouldn't call it the death bear, but the, the, the Bane bear corrupted bear also bites his friend. And, and what was their crime? They said the greatest food in all of camping out is baked beans and s'mores. And boy, aren't they good. And I couldn't stop chuckling. Cause when I read that section with there's like baked beans and s'mores, like, <laughs> Where, where are the hot dogs that you cook in the branches that you put? I was literally critiquing their idea of camping out. My dumbass got stuck on something. And then I was like, well, yeah, those are like classic trail food. Like, you know, baked beans is the theme you could do. And s'more somewhere, somewhere someone's going to say it's great. And and it's probably due to the baby, baby head I got going on where I'm like going, can you imagine what that would be like coming out of a diaper? Last thing I want to put in you is beans. I hope you do that even more. Fiber, and I'm going to load you up with sugar. We could do that. Parent brain. Full on, bro. Um, but it does make sense when you look at it this way. What's a bear going to be attracted to? The sweet scent of cooked marshmallows in the wind. And that's what it really did its job in the comic book. And the idea of that chocolate being there, too, which is also sweet. It's like bear and honey. You always heard that, right? It's also a danger when you camp is what you have. The other effect was you got big beans, which isn't you're not sitting there with classic trail beans that don't have that sweet to it. 
that brown sugar. You know, this was like some bush baked beans they had like in a big ass can and dumped in it all mm-hmm. that little sweet to it. And I sat there chuckling and I was like, so even though it's a Bane bear, it still wants them sweet things. It was drawn to these guys and anywhere else in the woods. I found it funny because later on in the same comic, he goes, Oh, I hunger. I need to eat some more. And he goes, I can smell the heartbeats of two that come my way. Yes. And I'm <laughs> like, if you figured out heartbeats, why'd you ask go after the s'more brothers? <laughs> There's a whole city he was looking at. Like, yeah, how heartbeats you could. But that's why the comic was written. I did it because it was chuckly. I thought it was funny that you would have these thoughts reading the comic. Maybe I get maybe weird. he prefers maybe he prefers his heart's candied by years and years of being and s'more abuse. <laughs> I just figured that the Chicago Bears ain't had a hit since the '80s, and he was just getting it done. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's uh, it's so sad though because their only crime was existing. That's what makes it even worse. Out of all the other campers, them poor bastards were the only ones that got singled out. Now the Bears compete. I got I got to respect the hometown team. Just simply saying, <laughs> where that's your right. So there you have like the the intro comic that kind of gives it to you, but I, I think. Uh, the singing part about this book is how they roll out everything else. Because when you get to the intro itself, it talks about, it's called The Journey of Ursa Minor. This is a clean tale of a first change under the watchful eye of kinfolk, a mother and a father. Um, what'd you think of that, Mike? Um, It was kind of what I expected. I was, I was surprised a little bit by the, um, what do I call it? I guess loneliness of it, right? Um, this this young guy has his traumatic experience. He goes through his first change, flips a car over, goes real bad, but he saved somebody's life, right? So there's positive to redeem from it. Um, but then when he gets home and like the paramedics fill his parents in, they know immediately what happened. And rather than like some kin fetch showing him up saying, "Come on, you got time to go to the Karen now. Well, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll be the." They hand him a map and tell him to walk from Oregon to Alaska. And I think the quote from the book is that the journey is part of your becoming. Mm-hmm. It felt unique and jarring. And also like that might be part of the reason why there were so few girl even before the war of rage. I don't know. Is that, am I reading too much into that part? Well, I mean, you're free to. Right, that's your opinion, your takeaway. That's your takeaway. Um, but, yeah. Um, were you going somewhere with it? Or are you just saying that that's what you what you felt? Well, it just it it made me wonder. Like it, I don't want to be critical because I don't feel critical. I like the book, but it's like, why are these people who are so important as protectors and nurturers? Right. That's such a big theme of what they do and who they are that you pick up as you go through the book. Um, we protect this and we guard that and we teach the ways, blah, blah, blah. Why do you only get to see that once you can walk, you know, from Portland to the Yukon by yourself as a teenager who's just experienced your first change? Um, and so I feel like there's there's something to be gathered about this changing breed from that uh, well, journey. Well, if I well, if I can, yeah. Let me let me point out to you a big aspect of this that might be Western eyes that are getting in the way of a lot. And I won't even say just Western eyes, but we'll say Western role players. Hmm. Can you give me here? 
you're so used to stuff being delivered to you that says the next edition, the next module, the next thing. It's the same yeah. class you used to always. Now with a little bit of an upgrade, a little bit more streamlined, a little easier to select the powers you've selected the most. And we truncated a book to get rid of all the other stuff you don't want. Made it nice, short, and sweet. So you pick what you want as you go, get at it, make the character move on. But it doesn't change your role play. Have you noticed that? Yeah, pretty Each often. Tradition, you role play the same. It doesn't ever change because we're not upgrading the role player. All we're doing is making it easier to save the company ink to look more stylized, to sell more books to look better. But we're not taking time to better ourselves to get more out of the product they're giving us. Now, back in the day, the way this book was written, this was not written to be given out mass produced to people short and sweet to never have to figure out another book, you know, to make it easier to fit in their video game that they have plans, big plans to roll out later on, or their next video of some game they're going to air and play where we get stylized hair and fake whatever. No one's wearing a bear suit talking about we're a girl, look at the game we're playing. It's not going to happen. Not a whole lot of people are going to get behind that, and we can't get new viewers for it. So what am I doing? I'm beating up on a lot of strategies where folks forget the most important aspect about playing what they are. There is a rite of passage into what you play. To understand a rite of passage, you must go through a, a changing of the ways. You must go through something that awakens you from the life you were once in to the life you're at now. And we're so used to blurring past that. Like, you see it in Vampire all the time. Somehow I'm a human, now I'm a clan, let's play the game. And nothing in between. Leaves you no grip. There's no story in that reality. There's nothing to ground you. There's nothing of worth that you have to keep you where you're at. Werewolf has forever been against that. Your first change is everything. How are you even at this cairn, at this, uh, at, at wherever you want to call it, that's a spiritual gathering point of other shifters, uh, whatever you want to do, whatever type, they've all been pretty consistent. To get here, you had to awaken, and the spirits guided you or the kinfolk guided you to get to the spot to figure out what you are. And so what this book does beautifully, which I feel none of them have done yet, is that they give you, the reader, a chance to understand what that awakening would be like. I mean, it starts small. Um, you said it's a he. I took it as a she. And I don't know why I did the two, but that's just two different things. I don't think there's any harm in it. I think it's written pretty uh, unisex for whoever wanted to say it was. And there might be a indicator later on, but I don't recognize it. I didn't even see it. I even tried to look at my notes, see if I noted I didn't. Now, why I say that is because it was very thoughtfully written. This is a very smart, very loving, very caring um, child of their parents. And not only that, you got to understand Portland and where they're at. They have a very open mind out there, a very different way of life. Mike, you're in the neck of the woods. You know what I mean? You you understand how the process and the thoughts there and living off the land and, you know, people are drawn to it to understand it. So it's not unusual for you to read or to think about a family that would have been uh, drawn to the sciences or nature or nature hikes and whatever. And for the most part, that's all they were doing. But the child's now having these dreams of bears and rivers and feeling some type of way, being terrified at the majesty of the bears, but strangely drawn to them. And then not even afraid, afraid of them, but like, will they accept me if I go to them? And I don't know what to do. So eventually getting the courage to be there, and that's what it is. And naturally, this is their spiritual self awakening and accepting the physical shell they're in. This is part of the first change. But how does the first change come out? It comes out in a very girl way. Think about it. Favorite science teacher, we get a flat change in tire, things go south, there's an accident, and this this person just decides, I got to do something. Man, I just want to get the car off him because if I don't, it's going to crush him. 
and suddenly rolls the car into the other parking space and then passes out from the exertion of the muscles and the changing, but doesn't remember how to do it. But then uh, it doesn't pass out yet, but is weakened, finds their way to a payphone, and that's how old you know this book is. And they get to the payphone, and then the paramedics get there, and they ride to the hospital. That's when the parents intervene. And the parents did exactly what you said. You already went over that, doing it pretty smooth. Now, the whole reason they did that, though, is what did they say, though? There were key things. They said, yeah, here's your map, but you have to go there on your own. We can't take you. We can't carry you the rest of this journey. We always knew there was something special about you, that you might be born pure. And that's the good thing. And they didn't even say pure. That's what I'm saying. You might be born of the bear. The bear may have chosen you, I think, is what they actually said. Mm -hmm. And they always had hope. But the fact that the bear did choose them meant that they had to go on this journey. And that's what they had been preparing them their whole life for, but didn't want them to live in fear of themselves in case they, they weren't. So the life is pretty normal within the kinfolk way they were taught to be. And what's pretty cool about that is that they accepted it. It wasn't Hemin and Ha, no, I won't go on this journey. Aren't you going to give me money? Where's my car? It was none of that. It was complete, well, I got to do it then. And then off they went. Not only off did they went, they showed some pretty cool things. Even back then when this book was written, you didn't hitchhike across the America. It's like almost a death sentence. It's a very scary thought. Anything can happen on that road. But the confidence of being a shifter and being chosen by Bear, it's like they gave themselves up to Bear in the spirit world to guide them on this journey that they were taking on on a map. And indeed, you could say they did. Because who's to say why? The 60s minibus stopped to pick them up and take them on a road. And discovering that they had a Polaroid, a black and white, uh, that showcased a giant Kodiak smiling with a guy standing shoulder height with uh, with the Kodiak bear. And this was her grandparents. And her parents slipped, the, slipped in the photo. And the plane crashed in a whole nine where they died. And understanding a sadness and vaguely remembering what's going on and having all these weird dreams. But also describing how this long journey, because there's only so far the bus, bus was going to take them. Then they were off on their own. And what happened? Limbs get tired. They're resting in the woods. They're sleeping more. They're trying to wake up and move on and doing what they can. And they're having weird dreams. But the dreams, the moment they stopped crying that they were no longer going to be at home and they were going low on supplies is the moment you started having dreams of education. Mm -hmm. This is how mm -hmm. a bear eats fish. And this is how bears fish. This is how a bear is able to shift and change and has a dream about it first and then is suddenly able to do it. And once they were able to shift, well, let's just say the journey became a lot easier and just continued on this hike to find this random place. And I say all that because this is a description of the first change to the positive. It took you from point A to point Z, but there's all this stuff that represents, well, what would you be doing in your character sheet as a girl? Filling in those first dots without adding any gifts or rights? And would that not be the story of how you went from being with your parents, there's your explanation of your, your, your abilities and all that stuff, to now this great journey you took on your own too, and went there and you grew and got a little tougher, maybe a little maybe a little quicker, I don't know, uh, a little more athletic for sure, however you wanted to build it, but your mind is now dancing on this character and what they might have become. But at the end of the road, what do they learn? They learn that they're being stared at, but they could smell that there is a person there and they know the person's a bear. Don't know how. They wonder if they should shift and not certain what to do with it or even how to approach it. But it's to the same river in their dreams that they were drawn to is where they get to, and now the lessons begin. And that's just the intro, right? That's like the intro story to get you, the reader, used to the fact that in this book, oh, we're going to learn you how to be a girl. 
and go back and read that story. If you want to know what a rite of passage would be or your first change would be like, there it is again. Because because easily you read it, you can go, I could split that story up any way I wanted to. I could change it. I could. Well, no, no, I was just going to say it's begging. It's begging for a prelude and at the same time giving you an outline. Right. It kind of tells you what those things are you need to learn on your way to the beginning of your real training. And you can kind of imagine how you might explain that for your character and where you had to walk to walk through what your particular version of this experience was. Yeah. Uh, but DJ, curious that next step, man, it gets into the actual teaching of what's going on in this book, doesn't it? It does. Um one of the things that they talk about is the teaching actually is taught to them or rather when this person finally does reach their mentor, because they do have a mentor who I think is known as the Burizan, and these mentors are given over to them. But the mentor takes their time speaking to their, to this, you know, our protagonist here. And one of the things they start talking about is the teachings of how the world came to be, how they ended up becoming the first of their kind. And at first he tells them as well, or rather the, the mentor tells them, hey, listen, this is going to be a slow burn story, right? You might think I'm going to tell you the story real quick and just get to our points of who we are and what we're doing. That's not who we are in general. We as bears, or perhaps, you know, as Gural, take our time actually telling the story. And they tell the story of how they came to be in general. What happens to be the case is, of course, we get our normal typical story of Gaia being the all-mother, races everything around them. But, but before that, let's not, let's, not label, let's not wave a wand of synopsis for that. Because I feel right. in order for these changing breed books to be different, we got to point out how the teaching is done differently from that of werewolves. And so because we want to get right. the point the authors had, right? So what I'm talking about is they talk about the Dance of Centuries chapter, where basically, right. and I'll, I'll just say it, the point I'm getting to is that it's educational for the reader. This is unique. Right. This is teaching you a right that you have to undergo to even begin speaking to other Garal. This is a formal right. It's a right of greeting. And they write out exactly what should have been done. Even the this, this, this speaker, the narrator of it, says flat out, you know, normally when you come to me, I would have a gift for you, a changing gift. And this gift would be Girl. unique to you. Because right now you don't have a name. But I would teach you how to say my name and how to properly greet me because this is your time of learning with the two others who are here with you. And we should do that. They make you, the reader, feel like you're one of the three who are right there now learning what it is to be a girl. Why that's unique is because there, so far, hasn't been a book written like that that people beg for. How do I play girl? What would it be to understand a girl? What would it be like? What would it be like? Here it is. Here it is. All you got to do is read the book. Read the book and you will understand explicitly what it's like. Now, what's great is you get a very tribal feel to it. And what I mean by that, there are more tribes than in America. I just want to point that out right now before somebody goes, tribal, what are you getting at? There's no there's no Apache here. It's like you're right, but there are there are tribes in Africa too, Jack. And uh, you know, just saying, we can give you know, all over the world had them. And uh, the point is is that the very idea of tribal or, or primitive, if you would prefer, is the fact that there's a purity to the rights that they know and understand. And what they're doing is instilling traditions and emotions and oral history. Those are the combination traits to make it feel like you own what it is you're about to do. That is the significance to this dance of centuries uh, that they begin talking about. And the cool part is, is before they get into telling their story, which I'll, I'll admit your attitude, I kind of took that same tone uh, with where <laughs> this is going. There's debatable points in there, too. But this is the most significant part. There's a dance to telling the story. 
you do not just, okay, we're going to talk about why guy is here now. And let me lecture <laughs> you. No, you got to get off your ass and learn to do the steps mm-hmm. that they describe to explain how this is done. They even say why. You may forget the words. You may forget the content. But if you remember the dance, you honor the memory of the Earth Mother. And at least remember the dance. Because one day, you will be teaching other girl Because we will be dead. Very sobering, very serious. You can see this being a process. I apologize for that, DJ. But you were saying, it jumps into the, the creation story. No, right. It jumps into the creation story. Um, because you are you are right. It, it talks about that dance. And the dance is why that story takes as long as it does. Because it does go through an elaborate story of how Gaia did create the world. And how in the process of creating the world prior to creating, of course, her most genesis children or were known as her first children. She talks about the, the three patterns, right? The three uh, creatures that existed. Your yard spinner, who is the wild, represents the wild. Your tapestry weaver, who is the weaver. And the pattern breaker, um, who happens to be the worm. And in that process of being, Gaia had breathed forth her caretakers, the actual caretakers of the world, which was very interesting to read about because up until this moment, we always see it from the Garu perspective of we're the first, we're Gaia's chosen. But it's actually the Garal that are mentioned here that they were made to, to watch over this garden of the world, which, which Gaia put down on the planet, right? They were meant to nurture, caretake, tend to the wounded, feed, even sacrifice themselves uh, to, to bring about, um, you know, their breed as being the first. I think and they kind of mentioned their aloofness as well. Um, but that's kind of what struck me in the beginning about it. That's how, how they originally came to be. It's a uh, it's an interesting story because the uniqueness of it is how it's portrayed. This is a tale where they, where they get into the fact that uh, beautifully put, I think, Gaia more or less is walking amongst the stars, and Gaia is seeking to select a star that is comfortable to her uh, to put other things here. So Gaia is described as, as an actual mother who is expecting. I'm looking to nest and looking to find a place my children can thrive, and that they will have a place to be. And we're going to make this place. Finds a star, does her thing, starts, uh, we'll call it dusting. The, the Actually, not even dusting. Right? Her very word brings the wind. Her gesture brings the earth and grass and everything else into being. Like a very lovely Disney movie, as, uh, <laughs> as I like to put out there. But when she looked around, <laughs> there were bears. That's what was there. Or I should say the girl. And she was at peace. And the girl were here to protect everybody else, much like you said. However, they put a pin in it, don't they? Because the speaker goes, well, now that you get the gist of the story, you're going to hear others of our kind tell you that's not how it went. And that's okay. <laughs> you're going to hear how uh, others are going to say that we uh, we were in the earth and we smelled the sweets and the cooking foods and everything else that were up there. All the things that Gaia had put out there and our noses led us into existence. And we were here. We were always caretakers of the earth, and it's to the earth we should return, and that's why we like to hibernate, and that's why we like to gorge and then go back and sleep. We were meant to do that. But care how you handle our home, because if we come up and you've trashed it, oh, bears aren't happy, right? And they go back, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to take it with a grain of salt, because if that's what gets you up, sure. But that doesn't really explain anything else but yourself, and you move on. And various other means as to how the girl could be here. Why that's unique? Well, how hard nosed are the tribes and the other shifters so far? Super. None. You you even have Coyote who sticks to a pretty hard nose. This is this is this is what happens. That's why we're here, everybody else is stupid. 
<laughs> yeah. No matter what you want to say, I said it. I have spoken. This is the way it is. But here's the Garal taking a teacher's perspective. So their very words and deeds back up what they said they were here to do. Like, I truly believe the Garal were first based on how this delivery went, because it makes logical sense. The earth was here. We needed caretakers off the bat. Caretakers being the key, key nomenclature here. And so that's why it was here. And we had people there to heal, nurture, and care for what was put down here. Because someone had to help her take care of all these children if there was a nursery suddenly filled up. And that's what it is. And someone had to teach them how to live here. This is a far cry from everybody else who's, like, stealing humans. <laughs> remember me saying it to you, Mike? I remember, I forget which podcast to go, but I was like, isn't it weird to you how everybody's being stolen and then we're blaming humans for it? Yeah, I don't remember which one it was, but I do remember you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if if someone gets arrested years later for pedophilia and you learn that Uncle Touchy was allowed to kidnap them and take them to his puzzle basement for the first 18 years of their life, there is nobody <laughs> shocked that you turned out that way. So why is it that someone gets to like, you know, like with the weaver, remember that? The weaver stole man and carrying a web and here they were and the worm was like, but I didn't get my humans. And the weaver's like, well, I'm get you something. Reach in there. We learned that with the new wish. And then when the worm reaches, oh, gotcha. Stupid. I'm going to keep mm -hmm. you, too. And that's where it's at. Well, even here, we learn a pretty ridiculous tale. And I'm going to say ridiculous because Radije told you, broke it down perfect, what a yard spinner, tapestry maker, pattern breaker is. Yeah, pattern breaker isn't assumed to be the worm in this story at this point. Just pattern breaker. The way the girl explain it. Yarn spinner, we know is the wild. Yarn spinner just put all this material in the world. Allah, it's all there. <laughs> and then a tapestry maker comes around. Oh, wouldn't that be a good design? <laughs> that, and wouldn't that be a good rug? Yes, it's here. How about a new shirt for this? I don't know why it's called the shirt, but here you go. All the <laughs> things get names and are in place, and it's so beautiful. And pattern breaker comes along, and he's this dude. And Pattern Breaker's like, look at that. It's colorful. Crush it. <laughs> Not anymore. You're going to have to make another one. Who put that here? Beautiful clothes. Tear, tear, tear. Being naked's better. <laughs> and he's running around <laughs> like the ogre that can't be stopped. And it's like, oh, okay. But then Garal goes, but hey, boo, every good brother cares when his sister cries. And so one day the tapestry maker was crying tears because the Pattern Breaker's going around breaking everything. And even though we all know there's a balance to this, she was really sad that all her works got destroyed or were getting destroyed. She had to constantly make new ones. Well, Pattern Breaker felt bad as a brother went up to her and said, hey, sis, don't worry. It'll get better. And was consoling his sister. And her tears, as he looked down, were actually more webbing. And she said, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> and she trapped Pattern Breaker. And Pattern Breaker was like, no. No, I was just being nice. No, no. And then realizing it was trapped, was maddened forever, trying to thrash and throw his way, and became the worm, because he's constantly trying to wiggle his way out of the earth that he can't move. Okay. I'm I'm with you. Um, this seems to hold to every story told so far, like, without exception. Like, I can't think of a different story off the top of my head right now, where basically... The popular story was the weaver screwed over the worm and caused all this. Now, what is unique is the mentality of the girl about humans. What did you, uh, how did you guys feel about that? 
so I had I had trouble getting both hands around it because it seemed like they and you guys can correct me if I missed something, but it seemed like they see humans as everybody else. Right. They see humans as things who live here on Gaia's Earth that we must protect. And as we are able, we teach them and they learn from us and appreciate it. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't druids or shamans who they were teaching like specific dances to. Um, they mentioned some early relationship to the tribe. Or to a tribe, right? But how do I say? It seemed like the Garal saw humans as just some other category of living creatures who they were supposed to be custodians of. Am I selling them short? Uh, there's a, there's a slight inference here, right? Because one of the things that Garal does that other shifters don't, for the most part, at least the shifters that had you know actively participated in the Pergium was. They knew they were taking care of humans because those were Gaia as well. So much so that the Garal were willing to sacrifice themselves going, this tribe is going to go hungry and we can't let them do that. It's within our ability to take care of them. Bob, it's your turn. What? Yeah, yeah, it's your turn. Go ahead. All right. And into the village, Bob would go. And as they ate Bob, he fed the village and he also gave them his fur and kept them from dying, right? No werewolf is going to do that. It'd be like, get my fur. F you, buddy. But the Quran did that because they knew it was part of their duty. They, it's, it's not a matter of calling. It's even sacrificing themselves because that is their job to do is to take care of guys, creatures and humans were at this point, or rather still are part of their creatures, regardless of what they turned out to be. Well, I mean, I think at this point they was before they were, they turned out the way they were as well. You're not going to see a girl doing mm-hmm. that now, but, uh, oh, you yeah. know, cause we're talking <laughs> before the ice age right now. They're distinct about that. They also give you a timeline to know that this is before the ice bridge incident. That we'll get to later. This is straight up dealing with Cro-Magna Man. And, <laughs> and what did the girl say? Are these poor, pathetic, these hairless, clawless beings would die without our help. And so we must help them the most. Because of all a guy's gifts, we got the short end of the stick for whatever reason. And so they were there to help out. Well, what's the added result? Well, the girl, they got immortality. The secrets of resurrection. That if one killed your stuff, like all the girls seem to be able to do this. It's a right they know, and they're able to bring back someone, and they, they get into it later. But they knew this resurrection, but they reserved it under strict usage. Then only those who had it self-sacrifice was key, and of the self-sacrifice, they had a criterion to make sure that you hadn't had this happen to you before. How long have you been around, and have you lived a good life already? You may not need to come back. You know, it saddens us you're gone, but go on. Whether you rejoin with Bear or not, that's up to you. But the point is, well, not up to you. It's up to Gaia, really. But the point is, is that we're not going to demand you come back for whatever reason. And let's just say the right they know is not a, uh, let me pour out some tea and I'll see you in five minutes. This is not an easy thing to do by anything I've read. You asked about badass shit, Mike. Trust me. Even if, even if you taught werewolves this right, good fucking luck in surviving it. It's like inherently meant for a girl to survive if you were going to do it at all. Um, but I digress. We won't skip to the we won't skip to the line here, uh, as it were, because that secret of resurrection is everything with the rest of this book, and understanding what goes on and where things go south. Now you said it was one tribe of humans they helped out, help make this make sense. It, try all of them. At this okay. point, every known tribe had revered bear in some capacity. And they said whether it formed a cult to Bear or worshipped them as a flat-out totem or a god or whatever it was, they showed reverence to Bear because Bear came along and taught them things. 
taught them how to fish, taught them how to care for their young, taught them how to stay warm, taught them how to uh, help others go through death the appropriate way, with dignity. If you were too sick to kill yourself because you were going to die, we could show you a clean way to do it. And here's and here's how things like that that have to be taught uh, to help others do it. The Garal were there to help the humans. Now, they do get into something. And uh, it's the healing power they have in that protective spirit that constantly try to pass this on to man. That you should care for your own. That you should learn medicines and, and whatnot to care for you as well. And learn to basically be self-sufficient. But what happens when you're a man and you're not born with any of these gifts? And what you have to get, you only know how to scavenge and or take from the dead. You're going to do that. And you're going to think of more efficient ways to do that. Because remember, back in the day, apparently, we didn't need to do that for some reason. We were in harmony with everybody else. Now, whether that means we only lived in the warm climates, I could see it. I don't know if anybody else could see that. To me, you mean to tell me that we live somewhere where we was just naked? <laughs> naked living on the beach near some fruit? And when we were hungry, we just ran around, stuff dangling and jangling, and nobody had a problem with it? Because we were all just, like, happy, right? We were just like, oh, hey, everyone. Yes, this is my junk hanging out the new wind. It is a little. I'm going to swim now, and then I'm going to go and get that giant green thing that's tasty to eat. Provided that snake doesn't eat me this time. <laughs> it's just very happy, right? It's the tone I think of. I think of Wakanda, right? Immediately, like everything is good. Ha, 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 right? You just feel that way. Um, but something happens, and we get shoved off to, like, forgotten kingdom areas, like, uh, just bad places. And we have to adapt. And part of that ad adaptation is supposed to come at the hands of the world. We're nudged to those areas to learn the truth. And nothing is more damning than the truth. Well, when you taught us how to fend for ourselves, and that's what the Garal did, and now we're in a place where we got to hunt animals for our goods, you learn how to make weapons and kill shit. That's where that evolution comes from. And the Garal are like, eh, well, we tried. But they also explain, and I want to say the first of them, this is where stuff goes bad. Everybody living in harmony with the worm being what it is, it's just too much. The earth is too vast and too sizable, right? That's the argument here, that the worm's just the worm, infecting things and creating armies of things and, and birthing evils into the world. Go ahead. So is the, and I, I know this feels like an aside, but just, do you think it's like suggesting that humans should have just stayed where they had the capacity to live in in harmony with nature as opposed to expanding and filling parts of the earth that were hard to live in? Is that what's being said here? No, the Garal addressed the fact that it wasn't that where they were that was the problem. It was that the humans stayed where they were and taught to live off the land. The land's evolution might have followed a process that either killed the humans, because that was the intent, or the humans would have adapted accordingly because they were meant to. But in harmony, i.e., what's in harmony mean does not mean your whole populace survives. What it means is that there's a great snow that kills a bunch of you, but others of you happen to have enough fur to live by or happened to have known fire or a cave system or something that kept you alive. But there had been enough to naturally keep the populace down so that you blended in with everybody else with the same shit happening to you. Folks like to act like the deer didn't suffer diseases, right? <laughs> but the deer are fine out in the woods eating stuff. They died too, fool. Everyone died. We are no different than any of the other animal species out there by what they're talking about as a or, or period in life. The difference is aberrant, aberrants. We got lucky. Anyone will tell you that. You, you look up any scientist looking up, how is it that we survived and others didn't? Uh, luck. 
It's luck, <laughs> evolutionary luck. We happen to get here. We had the ability to adapt and awareness and self-awareness, and that comes with everything else that, you know, we all get to do. And opposable thumbs and standing upright. Evolution helps out. That's what happens when you thrive as a species. When you're dominating the planet, you get to dominate it some more. Right? The view on top is always looking down. There ain't nowhere else to go. And that's, I mean, I could go on, but I think we get the point. And that's what happened with humans. They were, they were a runaway success. And, and nothing could stop them once they figured out these secrets. But this book points out these secrets were taught to them. When it was in harmony and we showed you what you needed to do, as DJ already said, we gave our life so that to ensure that you lived. And this was noble, but we also didn't want you to just go hunting other animals, and so you didn't. So it describes a life that actually fits the science. We were hunter-gatherers, but we were mostly gatherers. We scavenged most of our food. Yes, we did eat meat, but that's because the animal was lying down dead. That's how we hunted back in the day. You think we were born with stone axes? <laughs> it would brought me Howard food. Was that your teacher in school? You ancient bastard. <laughs> we were not running around in your chest crumb. It was like survival was us running around and finding the slow-moving bugs, just, just like bears do. Right? They go grubbing, get them fat, delicious uh, peanut butter-tasting grubs. Now I'm going to go over here and see what this termite's like. Hey, did you eat that fly? I don't know. Was it tasty? Tasted like potato chips. I don't know what that is yet, but in the future we'll make them. All right, well, let's eat more of them then and see what it's like. You get the idea. Hey, how'd you catch that fish? It's weird. There's like all this water stopped coming this way, and there was like 12 of them. I found up this stuff. They were just flopping some of them. Others just stink. What'd you do? <laughs> uh, I ate them. Be quick. How you Be feeling? <laughs> he keels over dead. Why? One of them was a blowfish. He didn't learn sushi yet, right? That's just, the, if you think about it, Darwin was king back in the day. It teaches us stuff. What the Goral are saying is that they were there to go, I wouldn't do that. Maybe put the blowfish down. I don't eat that. How about try this honeycomb? That'll help. It'll also cure your tummy, too. Really, yes, you are you are letting the foul waters out a little more excessive today. Did you eat all the berries you gathered? And the mushrooms. I was really hungry. You're going to pay for that, Bob. You're going to pay for that. Let me show you some bark you need to be chewing on now, too. That was us. That was us. So their story holds up, right? Because we're still pre-ice bridge. But what happens after the worm and everything else and we've learned to kill? Well, the group. Because even at that point, the Garal realized they couldn't be all over the world. The Garal are single creation cubs, right? That's what they have going on. It's really a rare and beautiful thing because of the amount of power it takes to make them. They're healers of the land, not just its people. And what they're fighting is a war of attrition because as the land gets diseased, they're moving in to sure, protect it, defend it, but now they got to cure it. Let's just say probably to cure a blighted area of worms damage is going to take more than a day. And so they're going to be there a while. But while they're waiting, whatever caused those creatures to be there is still out there doing what it do. And that was the genius of the worm at the moment. So that's what the girls say. And then they said Gaia in her agony. That's the important thing. Gaia was in agony with the land being constantly ruined and destroyed and everything else. The girls were doing what they can, but they were they just couldn't do the protection and healing. And so Gaia's grief spawned the guru. And I want you to think about that a second. The Garal honor the guru here. These are the people who, who wronged them severely, but they honor the guru and saying, you were born with a gift, a gift for war, a gift to be the warrior she needed you to be. Because you came from her grief and her pain to deal with problems now, 
to deal with them while I'm in agony. Your mother hurts. My sons and daughters, I bear you to end that which kills me. And so what do you think they did? Well, when they came out, the girl went, hold on. Not all is bad. While you're here, yeah, yeah, kill the bad stuff, but let us tell you our ways. And the werewolves were like, we ain't got time for this. The mother <laughs> cries. We'll be back later today after our hunt. What, you can teach me more of where the honeycomb is when I bring back the meat. What do you mean? Worm flesh tastes good. And they're out. And they go and slaughter whoever it was that was damning the land and doing whatever and being the big bad. And then they can't, like, guru do. That's what you play werewolf for. Come back and here's your massive killed worm thing. Boom. I have done good. Dance around the fire. I eat its heart. Ah. Didn't matter what they were. And the girl went, can we tell you a story of your people now and why you're actually here? And now that you killed it, what about the people that are there afterward? <laughs> Not worth mating with. They ran when I showed up. <laughs> what? Now hey, you're uh, reading those, <laughs> they were victims. Yeah, but they're weak. Oh, um, well, maybe they're stronger than you think. Look, Bear, you're boring the shit out of me. I got shit to do. Okay, well, let us let us continue the lessons at least. This is what a teacher deals with when you have a student of high aptitude and it's only physical. Right? To me, it reminded me of a math teacher trying to teach the successful uh, insert sports team that's the, the star-winning champions every freaking semester or year. Uh, that is for the school year. They're in your class expecting you to just put the A-plus on the sheet of paper. Why should they have to try? You know what they're here for, to bring you glory and pride, and they do it every time. So stay out of the way with that coach coming around going, hey, Coach DJ, or excuse me, uh, Math Professor DJ, what's up with Bob's D? We didn't turn in homework. <laughs> well, let's say he did. What do you mean? We're saying he did. It's uh, the star quarterback. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he turned it in. You want to bring home a win tonight, right? I can't field him with a D. All right. He gets a C plus. That's it. So I'm asking, right? I'll make sure he turns in all the homework though later. Will you? Yep, sure will. Meanwhile, what does he do? He goes to the water boy. Hey, you like math? Right? <laughs> Fill this out. Do that. Why do you <laughs> take? But we're talking about a group of werewolves recalcitrant to have the patience. But I like the book puts it better. Succinctly, like I'm certain everyone prefers, but I like talking. Uh, the fact is, is that the, the bears are have a strength that isn't just their size. It comes from patience and observance. They're able to do both, and a healing tactic is what they apply. This takes too long. If Guy is in pain today, the werewolves were gifted with rage, and this rage was to be harnessable because it's so quick for them to get it back. So they're not here waiting for your best laid strategy. They're here to run forth as a pack and die today. If so, be it. There will be others that come. They also breed apparently quicker uh, than any other uh, shifter that's out there. When you have those attributes, well, they were bred for war. Their idea of protecting, though, <laughs> they're, they're warriors. Protecting what exactly? The best defense is a good offense. <laughs> right. <laughs> So you begin to see the problem. Well, well, this problem unfolds, too. Let's not forget. What's the problem we have here between the Garal and werewolves? The, the werewolves insist that because of their mission, they should be given access to the Garal's uh, fabled gift of Gaia's breath. So we're and all back. like, no. We're back to the beginning of this podcast where Garal Bob looked at Guru Mike and went, 
<laughs> oh, you want to skip all the important shit and jump right to the gifts? Uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't feel like teaching you really, and I'm really comfortable with that uh, because what, what? What are you going to do with them? And Mike's like, I'm fucking do what I got to do. <laughs> I got shit to do. Yeah, I, I bet. But like, you know, there's cool stuff you could do with reshaped objects and making tools out of nothing. I mean, there's cool. Like, you could really plow a field or maybe maybe fix a wagon wheel. Fuck all that. I heard you could bring people back from the dead. Where's that at, Bob? Right? Where's that be? And I'm like, well, well, Give me Mike, one up. <laughs> well, Mike, the mole hesitant. DJ knows that, right? And I know that, right? And we talked. We really think you're just going to try to resurrect Sun Tzu and, uh, <laughs> you know, all this other stuff. You're going to bring back all these people that have died. And we're good. You try to bring back Bruce Lee to do a new Kung Fu film. You want to see him compete. <laughs> In, in UFC, we, we just think this is going to fuck everything up, man. We teach you this, and it's going to go bad quickly. I need Meanwhile, killers. Mike's in the background. <laughs> I need killers. Right. You in the background with your best blade impression. You're going <laughs> to teach me this, right? And it's going to happen today. Right? But then DJ stonewalls you and says, you disrespectful cub. Get out of here. We taught you all sorts of things about healing. Did we not teach you how to cleanse yourself with our with your right of cleansing? Mm-hmm. Did we not teach you mother's touch? We taught you that. Did we not teach you grandmother's touch? Did we not teach you how to keep going in common? Did we not teach you the ways to talk to the spirits to learn of gifts and learn how to use them? Did we not teach you these things? This is a rite of passage. This is something the guru completely forgot about. It's not even mentioned. If you've ever had that question looking at the guru book or going through the tribe books, where the hell did we learn how to talk to spirits? Because here's what doesn't make up. Every tribe tells you, well, there was a problem with the worm. We were brought in this world, and we just started kicking ass after the spirits armed us with the gifts we needed. <laughs> and it was like, what? Well, hey, the guru go further than that. The guru always say they had some great earthy urge, right, in the back in the forever past, back before they needed auspices. And no, it wasn't the Garal who taught us. We just used to be badass. We didn't need help. We were born this way. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens. I, I don't. I don't need help being awesome. I was born awesome. So, like you know, unless you were born awesome, it's kind of a one-sided conversation right now. Sorry, you know, Will Farrell is the head of the Guru Nation as a Silver Fang. You know, I don't see what the oh, Jesus. Is. You know, that's it's Will Farrell. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what's my point that I greatly have diverged from? It's the fact that the Garal refused to teach this gift. The Guru said you will, and so naturally, the Guru didn't just kill Garal. We're not there yet. They knew if they just jumped the Garal, would go bad. They had to convince a lot of other people of the Garal being what? Worm tainted. Cor- corrupted. Yeah. So, yeah. how do you do that, though? How do you do that, though? Like, didn't they run around and tell everybody, this is the Guru now? The Guru using a very simple logic. It's black and white. They said, hey, you remember how the Garal couldn't protect mankind or Gaia? And we were made, yeah, we were made to do what? And them traitor-ass Korax went, well, uh, you were made to be like the ones to sniff out the worm and kill it. Yeah, yeah, we were born with those gifts. This is what we do. And the Korax were like, well, you were born with those. And the group was like, shut up. <laughs> you know we were born with You know, and, and, and here the Macaulay, you mean, uh, we're the memory of Gaia. We, we know for a fact the the Garal taught you those gifts. That's that's exactly what happened. What do you know, Lizard? 
that I'm extinct. I'm over here. Ain't saying I'm out of it, right? Um, so the Guru were looking. So basically, the Guru were walking around talking crazy, and they're bullying people into figuring out what's going on. And if you didn't agree with their story, what's well, because you're corrupt too? Problem is, you had people going. This makes sense. The Guru couldn't protect the Earth and heal it, and so they did teach you their ways to enable you to do it. So naturally, you could smell out the worm taint. So the girl retainted that. Well, we'll do what we must. Wait a second. How many changing breeds were on board with this? Well, I'll tell you one that wasn't. The motherfucking <laughs> Bastet. You can go back and check my stats. I said the Bastet were cool as shit. They were some of the coolest shapeshifters ever made to hit paper. And that book is just telling me one more again. What happened? When everybody else said, Garal are bad, kill him, the Bastet said, Ram, bring it. See what <laughs> happens. Step to a bear. See what happens. I don't care how gang, many gang. of you there are. You won't need a pack because I'm going to need someone to carry you off the field when I'm done with you. Because I ain't wasting mm-hmm. my sweat beyond whooping your narrow little ass and coming up here where you don't belong. <laughs> and the Bastet just waged this war. Like, the Bastet waged this war like a boss. They stepped to Graal and they talk about, yeah, you were killing us, but it took your entire Cairn to do it. Meanwhile, one Bastet was jacking you all across this field for trying to step to a territory that wasn't yours, and you earned it and choked on it. And what did Graal do? I'm kind of sad. I didn't want to see all that death. And what did the Bastet say? We understand your ways, but we're Gaia's eyes, and we refuse to see this go unanswered. So where you can't be the Fury, it's not your way. Please slumber and be safe. In my territory. But you narrow-ass werewolves have crossed the line. <laughs> and it's, um... And I was like, this is awesome to read. Because what them bitch-ass Korax doing? Run their mouth. <laughs> Running everywhere. <laughs> just doing nothing but talking drama. Even the Grawl make fun of them. We don't know what the Korax do. We just say their guy is messenger because, like, all they do is talk shit and spread drama. So we need to give them something to do. That's all they did. But the thing that gets me, and it got me every time, we haven't even gotten to them yet, but when you look at the Macaulay, they ain't told their story because when you read that book. Hmm. But the Macaulay right here is standoffish, and they're looking at this like, we're just here to remember shit. That's it. it. That's all they got. It does kind of make you wonder, though, what what if the Macaulay had took issue with the Garu at this point? How would things But understand... Understand why they couldn't take issue. They're near extinct right now. You know what the guru fear? The apocalypse. Why do they fear the apocalypse? Wolves are dying. They ain't got nothing to breed into anymore. The, the the humans are getting more and more corrupt. When will you rage? When will you rage? The Macaulay already lived through that. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to look at that. They're barely teetering on extinction. And they have no choice but to be where they're at getting lucky as Gaia intended. And yes, they're the memory of Gaia, but memory's a long time. And that's a hell of a burden. So when this war of rage kicks off, this is why they didn't rush to pick a side or jump in. But we know what side they were on. It's just what could they do about it? Because the guru in their prime, you just lining up at the trough. This is where your were bison go and your were bats, by the way. Apparently, they were like, guru, you full of shit. Stay out of our land. They were like, stay out of your land. I'm going to your back cave, guano boy. And they killed everybody there, too, calling them vampires and worse and dealing with <laughs> them right there. What about them were bison? Who don't like bison burgers? Oh man, <laughs> tasty! You ain't wrong. With a little bit, the bison. They were their days were numbered off the bat. Can you sit there and see the bonars like before they were bonars? Sit back and go. Let me tell you something. Um, 
I know best ways to cook them. I've read the toe. That bite's got to go. It's corrupted shit. What do you mean? It's so corrupt. We got to cleanse it the only way I know how. It's got to go through my gullet and out my hand and purify it so we know we can renew the earth. Right? The worst type of way. This is what goes on because bison burgers and ribs are good. <laughs> Let me take it to a test. DJ, are you a vegan? I am not. You're not. Because by you see me in Korea barbecue. That's, you you've done see me eat food. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, Mike. We already know that answer. Hell no. There's no way somebody as grows you could be a, could be a non meat eater. I'm just saying. Uh, so anyway, I'm completely riffing at the point. But the point is, this is why a lot of key people are mentioned by them. the best that were guys watchers, but intervene directly to wage the war with the Garal, even going so far as to save a couple Garal that they could, as mentioned in their books, as the corroborated by the Garal. Uh, to the point to where the best had hid them and the group didn't know where they went. Right? They like the group thought they really did kill all the Garal. That's the beautiful thing about this. The Garal's ability to hibernate past danger is what ends up being a preservation trick. And uh the plus you had Bastet that were just diehard men, which is uh, earned the respect of tribes. I need to point this out. On the respect of tribes, we get this ice bridge. This is where a lot of the Garal went to. Because, oh yeah, I forgot about it. The most bastard thing I'd ever read in print. It wasn't just, we should explain why the Garal were worm-tainted by the Guru. It was some of the most shittiest comments ever. It was like, oh yeah, they're worm-tainted because we could smell it, but also they brought the Ice Age. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They said the glaciers were them trying to, what was it, cover up what they'd done? Or like make an excuse? Yeah. Or like scar the landscape to hide the worm's tracks or something? And they said... <laughs> Don't you think it's hypocritical and bullshit that the humans they're supposed to caretake, that they sacrifice themselves to give them fur to? Now they're bringing this snow to kill everybody. Signs of corruption as everybody's going along or buying this bullshit story. And they're just dancing around with it. I was like, I what? And so where did the Grawl go? They go across the ice bridge. But who did they find? When they get across the ice, ice bridge, the Grawl find the well, Native Americans. What do the Native Americans do? Ah, bear. Thank you for coming. Welcome. We have, we have honored you for many years. And the girl were like, so you have. This land looks peaceful and great. Not so great. There's a sickness. And the girl looked at their idea of sickness. Oh, that's a bane. Let me teach you this dance real quick. Okay. Shaman gets done dancing. Bane screams in the distance. And they're like, oh, we will honor you for always. You already honor us. We were never here. Shh. You're just a great shaman. Who do you who do you and they fade into the <laughs> nether, right? And they're like, oh, everything's going great here. Yeah, we're just gonna hang out with these people here. And the Pumanka saw them and went, You just hide. Why, whoever comes out here, I'm getting the pimp hand strong. You just don't worry <laughs> about it. You just sleep under that tree, you sleep in that cave, no one's gonna find you, Barry. You're good. This is what happened. They came over over to the Americas and just kind of dodged it. And that's and that's how they're pivotal to their survival, really. Um, but when everything else gets here, it gets here because the Grawl warned everyone, wherever you're at, just so you know, they're all coming. And things have changed because the worm is sick. They're falling through and we can't heal it quick enough. No, no mm -hmm. one cared. This is a sign of the time. So what I'm saying here, even with their creation story and all this drama, they're still hammering home one point. But this apocalypse is something that uh, it's just it's a new beginning. It is an ending of sorts, because how is that a cataclysmic event for the Garal, not their apocalypse? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Yeah. If you, if you, you done lived it again. 
but it comes in cycles because now they get across the bridge, it happens to them then. They go into hibernation, they come out. What do they come out to? And this book is chalk filled with imagery of it. it. It would baffle me to go to sleep, wake up, and there's now this uh, radiation Chernobyl where once it was mm-hmm. you and your whole family of bears and everything else out here, wild, untamed woods, and it's gone. And here's the cement buildings, and there's shootings, and wow, the guns have... What is going on? Like, but you're a healer. First, your heart goes out to what's going on, then it's healing the land, and how do you do it? And now it's having to meet with each other to find each other to figure out the best way to do it. But how hard would that be, understanding your main purpose has got to be to reach out to all the surviving shifters and figure out what's going on to figure out a way to survive this and to begin the process of healing because the and apocalypse. How you, well, no, and how do you, how do you trust anybody through that process after what they just went through? Right. It's, they, it's the you know what your mission is, but how do you reach out to the people who are supposed to be on your team? Cause they definitely weren't on your team when you went to sleep. It's that's but that's uh, that's also the defining factor of, of the girl though, right? Because one of the dances, and even then, they know Gaia's agony, and it's too he like, you know, it's like that Buddhist tenet at one point, or like how they speak about you can never know pleasure unless you know pain. But at the same token, it's like they know that the agony must be there in order for them to heal it, right? And that's something that they have to work through. I think even more so, and through every change of view that we've gone through, there's always like a defining factor of humanity or something that ties us, the reader, to that breed. And for the Gorel, and even thinking about the last book that you and I uh, reviewed, Mike, regarding the Wendigo, is forgiveness. And they have a hard time to forgive after all the shit that they've been put through. Like you said, when the home, te- when the team was supposed to be there and the team turned their back on them, how did they learn to trust again? Right? Up to yeah. including sharing their gifts. That's that's hard enough as it is, man. You, you get betrayed by by other people, especially like your boys or your girl, and you're that uh, that makes people feel some type of way. They they ain't no different. Let me talk about that a second. We you want to talk? You two want to talk about team? <laughs> my birth and my daughter. You take up one of my favorite tribes. I'd say the favorite tribe I have. One to go. And you gonna do me like that and declare them worm tamed? Like, look, look, you gonna do me that way? I would have never said it before. I read their story about them. <laughs> I loved. The, I was down for the Wendigo. Right? They was talking my talk. And then I read how they got that way. And I was like, oh, wait a minute now. <laughs> I done lost characters me, to this kind of behavior. This will not stand. Let me, let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you right now. Let me tell you right now. This is why I call you King Bro Supreme. I can't even see you right. I can't even see you right. You brought them in the court of lawyer judge with your super critical bullshit. Discounted every other book we've read and reviewed that talk about what happened to them and their way of life and how everyone took for them and everyone was hunting what they had and discounting them and pushing them to the side and shoot like the redheaded stepchild. When they finally get that rage in them, their total one to go had to lead the charge to say, it's, it's now. We give no more chances. And you go, the worm tainted as fuck, cannibal ass mother. I was like, really? Really? You, you did that? Let me saddle you with some bullshit rage and see how you went. Wait a second. You self-respected black man. You already know what that's like. How the hell did you read that book and see what you got put in? Come on. They're not all that way, number one, and everybody has interest, and they put the right amount of drama to make the best trap book. 
It's, it's good. It's golden. It was like this worm team. I was like, I can't even believe it. You DJ Ed Nodden. Yeah, let him. Let him. Hey, it's entertaining. If we had this moment now, if anything at all, there was a scene for <laughs> You both did very well on it and gave some insights that needed to be said. And definitely, it would, well, it, it, it didn't trigger me, but I definitely saw um, that uh, you could take some angles, some hard-nosed angles with that. But I think the same thing can happen with the girl. For as nice as mm-hmm. it is, for what they point out, you can point out they were selfish. That, like, they even say it. What if? What would happen if we never went into hibernation and just tried to fight through that war of rage, mend that gap, and we're healing like we were supposed to? What if... After that severe beating and people being killed, we stepped in and say, if you'll stop killing people, here's how we do it. And just deal with the outcome of what happens. What would happen? And now, let me get to the part before this is done. I know we're over on three minutes here. I don't care because I'm going to point this out. Mike, have you read Right of the Death Bear? No. You, You haven't read Right of the Death Bear. Have you at least heard about it? Yes. <laughs> okay. What's your understanding off the top of your head of what this this right of the death bear do? Uh, nothing. When you say that, have I heard about it? I I meant that literally. I have heard those words put next to one another. I don't know what it does at all. <laughs> what about you, DJ? <laughs> I have. It's uh, it's the final boss in the the Garal type of ordeal, right? Because. Everyone gets the shot to build up the courage to get to the death bear. In fact, it's one of the few times they ever get into the Umbra because they, they say that because they have so much work on this side of the fence, it's very rare they go in there. But the death bear is kind of like their version of service where it's the gatekeeper, right? Behind the death bear lies all the other souls. And if you're lucky and you defeat the death bear, then you get to go for a short amount of time, try getting that soul back, and hopefully you'll be able to bring that person back with you and retrieve them. But if you don't, you get yeeted straight out. <laughs> you get yeeted straight out of the umbra, and you back to where you were before. That's gangster. That's gangster. I can appreciate that. So, <laughs> so yeah, but you got to fight this death bear. Like that's the part that we're like, like he's hammering at home, right? Right of fighting the death bear. You got to, you got to, you got to fight it to win to bring somebody back to survive. But if you don't look at this death bear stats, uh, it's. By the way, it's it's you who do the right. It's not you and 12 that look like you. It's just you. It's you. I mean, so if I, if I'm the girl and I know that this is what it takes to go in and, and bring somebody back, and I know that being a great big mighty girl, I'm capable of it. I think I might have given it to the guru just because I knew it would fuck them up. Think about it. How many guru are going to go into the umbra by themselves? They're going to attempt to bring somebody back, right? They're going to fight the death bear and then uh, lose. Doesn't that solve one of my problems? Or am I misunderstanding how this right works? (laughs) So, so how this right? The problem in the beginning, what happens is, is the right of it's, it's Gaia's breath. I believe it's a gift, not a right uh, brain. Yeah, it's a gift. But somebody mm-hmm. recently dies, and you use Gaia's breath to breathe life back into him. They surge back to life one more time. It's like a, re- a spiritual resuscitation, and they come yeah. back to life able to fight on. But if it's been too long, that can go bad for them. 
If it's been too long, another thing can enter them and they come back entirely. In this case, it was a bane. Pet cemetery. Right. And you saw that. A pet cemetery's up. You get Gage <laughs> cutting uh, all sorts of stuff and shitting on a little cute kid. Um, but right of the Death Bear answers that. Yes, Mike. Well, I was going to say, this right is separate from that gift. I thought this was like part of the process of. Oh, no. Know, it's separate from okay. the gift. Ah, so breath of guys, okay. breath of guy is something usable. Um, that you could see the combat effectiveness of it that would still be jealously guarded. Um, because once dead is dead, but that gift can give him another chance. When it mm-hmm. comes to right the death bear, that's somebody who's been dead a hot minute. You know, it's like a time limit does matter, as it says. But at the same time, you get to go talk to the death bear about that. Like, I think it puts in there, if it's too, too long, it won't work, but there's another alternate way to go around it or something like that. But basically, you get to go hash that out with the bear of death yourself. Now, when we talk statistics, it's like, let's just say it's impossible. It's it's like got tens across the board, the highest mm-hmm. you can have, and you're in single ritual combat with it. You, you can be killed by this thing. Now, it says that allegedly you could just lose. It'll stop pounding on you if you're a girl. But I have read that if you are not a girl <laughs> and you somehow know this right and you knock on Death Bear's door, it's for motherfucking keeps. So I'm of the mindset that if I were Daddy Girl, if you talked to Big Daddy Bobby, the bear, and you came up to him and said, I'm going to keep killing your people and teach me how to. Yeah, I won't teach you the, the breath thing, but how about right of the Death Bear? What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Hey, Jack. If you could step up and smoke, why don't you bring your greatest son? Oh, your right killed her elder. You fighting the Death Bear. What do you right. mean? I haven't even fought the Death Bear. I got a whole slew of family that died I ain't brought back. Why? Because it's the Death Bear. I t- <laughs> Same reason I taught you. You was what? You're taking on something that looks like a bear. We call the Death Bear. And we honor it. But we're pretty certain that's death. Really? Yeah, we're pretty certain that's death. Not might be. Pretty certain. Well, it's ritual combat. Does it always have to be combat? I suppose not. No, it's you're ritual gonna, combat, folks. Gonna, this is not the chess game of Death Bear. Right. How are you gonna what are you gonna challenge Death Bear to other than combat to the death? <laughs> the same Bill and Ted's, right? I mean a story to <laughs> no chess. one, it's your game, but I think honestly you should make something that difficult equally difficult. So even if you did, it should be equal hard. And that's that. And that's what you're dancing with. That's that's a mechanic, story, plus plot hammer thing, one way or the other. But that's what the group were fighting for, was a way to bring back their legends and to resuscitate their army. But the simple fact was, they saw that if you could just do that, what happens when you start warring on, well, each other? Think about what the gurus separate to in the tribes and what they start doing to one another in the first place. Right? Yeah. Can you imagine if the Black Sprout dancers got a hold of that? Oh, they inevitably yeah. would. They definitely would. DJ's eyes. What? What if the Croatian knew that? No, sure. What if the lieutenant knew that and the Croatian sacrificed himself? Yeah, Eater's souls went away. Cool. Now let's all take a shot at getting the Death Bear. What do you mean? Because, hey, one of us will get lucky. Bring back one Croatian. We can bring back the whole tribe. <laughs> let's just keep doing it. Um, stupid. If you bring back something that its energy was needed to put Eater's souls gone, doesn't it get to come back with a sliver? What do you mean? What do you use? Oh, shit. <laughs> Your souls is here now. Why? Because you brought back Winnie back DJ, who was like really good at making flapjacks. Now, we, you brought that guy back? He was a really good cook in the Croatian. Right? You get my point. It's like, it gets, it gets right. silly stupid, but it's like, this is the girl saying, like, hey, man, calm down, girl. 
and, and they made their choice. So, um, but to help you remember this story in a better light, they do tell a way that you can make this uh, even better. It's a story they tell the kinfolk, and it goes along the lines of the three little bears. And that's in there talking about the uh, three bears and silver hair. Uh, that's actually silver in this hair. book. And I couldn't let that go without mentioning it because it's a smart way to do it. Because you hear of the three little bears, but you don't hear how the bears came back and went, you silly little, you, you trashed their shit, and for what? And it's the child's called silver hair for a reason. And I think this is actually the reason it's silver fangs who are blamed for a lot of this, right? Silver hair, mm -hmm. silver fangs. And it's explained to him, like, you know, look what you did, look what you bought, but if we catch you back here again, you know what's going to happen to you. Well, what's silver hair do? Runs home and wears it up and says, you know what dumb evil bears did? You know what all that nonsense? And that's how they explain how the War of Rage happened and was kept going. Not only a misunderstanding, it was somebody caught embarrassed who was too full of themselves to admit that what they did was wrong someone. And instead of getting caught doing the wrong, they made it worse to wipe out the evidence of it. And that's a very mm -hmm. powerful story to have to read to understand their perspective. But as healers, all they could do is offer it up, and they hope the next generation of Garal can find forgiveness. And that's up to you who choose to play the Garal who single-handedly, because they don't come in packs, really they don't need to. When you look at what a Garal can do on their own, you would need a werewolf pack to decide. Ain't no one werewolf squaring up and smoking a Garal. I'm just saying FYI. So that gives you an idea of the power level. But they're not here for that. They're here to really uh, be healers, which I think is a great usage of them. So... Any parting comments, guys, before we uh, we peace out here, as we say? I want to play one. Looks like fun. That's it. Looks great. Everybody should buy it. But Mike just wants Resurrections. <laughs> oh, fuck Resurrections. I'm I don't plan on Mike, dying. looking for that Resurrection trick. I don't plan on dying. Fuck that. <laughs> but no, seriously, <laughs> though. Like, Garol, the Garol are another one of those changing breeds that feel like the authors took another pass at werewolves. And they were just mature and like all those heroic things you want to be in this horrific setting about the apocalypse. I, I like, I'm a fan. Good book, good try. No notes. I think, uh, for me, Goral comes right after the Wendigo book in terms of how it touched me as the reader, because in the world full of chaos and the apocalypse happening, we know the pain that the, the Wendigo felt and why they have the rage, but for the Goral, you get to see why it's personal, and even though they have this, their job is to heal, and they will heal. And so in the world that bleak, and now as they start to wake up, it uh, it is touching, right? For as, as silly and romantic as it sounds, it offers that little bit of light in a dark world. It is legitimately a well and excellent put-together facet of a game start that you can do with an all-girl group or a girl kinfolk mix to tackle the apocalypse uh, with the werewolf being antagonist or... Um, someone who are like the NPCs of assistance, if you prefer, uh, to bail out and to help out. Not because you're the Calvary. You're what's coming in to teach them how to be what they were always meant to be versus what they are now. And that's interesting. Could be fun. And I highly recommend this book for folks to pick up and try it on. And I thank you guys. And this will, we'll tackle that and more come later. Appreciate everybody. Talk to you next yeah, time. Thank you, these folks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and would like to support us, please leave a review or share it with friends. 
Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.